Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me is a very special guest. She's a New York City-based singer-actress, hosts tunes at Talia at Symphony Space in the Before Times, and is Winifred Sanderson and one of the co-founders of Dead Man's Toe Productions. It's Ariana Armand! Woo! Hi! Hi, hi, hi! How are you? I am I am as well as can be expected under all the circumstances <laughs> of crazy. <laughs> oh, yes. Welcome to pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I tell, tell the audience yet, but 95% of the time, my guests pick the topic that we're talking about. And to be fair, I've never heard of this one before. That was what I tried to do. I was like, I didn't want to like pull it because... Because I have plenty of things I could we could talk about, um, and I was like, "But I don't know how how many other people you have lined up and what they're all talking about." And I'm like, "I bet nobody's talking about this one." Yeah, <laughs> this is a deep dive, the slipper and the rose, the true story of Cinderella. Did you grow up watching this? I mean, I'll, I'll be very honest. I remember seeing it once when I was a kid, and it stuck with me because of the song "Tell Him Anything," which, which I. Which, it's, oh yes. 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 So like that song was like always kind of in my head somewhere. And I went on this crazy, especially after I moved to New York, I went on this crazy search for sheet music for it. Cause like okay. you cannot find it anywhere. I finally like learned about Michael Levine. Um, so if you uh-huh. are, yes. So if you are a New York person, um, you know, Michael Levine is like, if you can't find sheet music, he's got it. <laughs> Yes. So I finally found out about Michael Levine and I was like, I'm trying to find this song and he sent me the sheet music. <gasps> so I have sheet music for it. I also found a company out of London that does these amazing orchestral karaoke tracks and they have a karaoke track for it. Now this so, is the movie version that you have. This is you the movie version. Yeah. You don't have, okay, okay. Well, let me get to like some backgroundy stuff real quick and then we'll get dive delve into the movie. I know, like now that we've like gone all over <laughs> Well, no, no, no. I want to hear more about this, but I, I do want to get, like, you know, it was written, the screenplay was written by Brian Forbes, uh, Robert B. Sherman, and Richard M. Sherman, music and lyrics by the Sherman Brothers, who were featured on Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Hooray! Welcome back, boys. I'm pretty sure I won't see, this isn't the last of you. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, they, they did they did so much. <laughs> they did so much, and I have a I have a feeling I'll be seeing you soon. This is directed by Brian Forbes, and IMDb basically like wrote a short story describing it. So buckle up, kids. In the tiny kingdom of Euphrania, the king, Sir Michael Horden, 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 whatever. I can't read last names, and his. <laughs> And his court are, are most anxious to get Prince Edward, Richard Chamberlain, wed. But Edward wants to marry for love. Meanwhile, young Cinderella, Gemma Craven, finds life drastically altered when her father's, with her father's death as she's forced to be a servant in her own house. 
but a cheery fairy godmother, Aunt Annette Crosby, helps her find helps her with her impossible tasks and even gets her to take an evening out at the king's bride finding ball. But when the magic wears off and the prince with the shoe in hand searches for Cinderella and finds her, what is going to happen to Euphrania without the needed marriage alliance to prevent war? Yes. Oh my so, like, God. What I found really interesting about this, especially like watching it back like as an adult and, and like putting things together, is this isn't so much Cinderella's story as it is the prince's story. Yes. This is like yes. the most developed Prince Charming character I've ever come across. Yeah. In- he is a very much a feminist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like even, and that is very rare coming from a 1976 movie that a, the male protagonist is a feminist, especially mm-hmm. in a fairy tale movie. Like, because usually in fairy tales, the men are like, I must save the women. So. Right. And it's not, and he's kind of, he's kind of like emo. He's kind of. Yeah. I'm, like he He's even, kind of broody. And... But he even asked for permission to like kiss her or, oh wait, did he do that? This movie is so long, I don't remember a lot of it. Yeah, guys, this is like a three-hour movie, and I totally forgot it was that long, and I was like, (laughs) let's do this movie. But, like, the music was welcomed. I just wish there was a bop, you know? Like, like, um, the Sherman Brothers, they're known for, like, more bouncy, upbeat Mm -hmm. music. And, you know, looking at the lyrics with protocol... Protocol... Wait, I, I know I can say this one. Wait, I gotta look at uh, protocol. Pro, wait, wait, I'm looking. I'm looking at the right thing. Yes, I'm looking. I'm looking Proto- at the thing. Protocol. Protocolically correct. Protocolically yes. correct. See, I thought that this movie actually came before all their work with Disney. No, this is after. I thought this was like pre-Disney. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And then yeah, like yeah. we watched it again because when I heard that song, the protocol. Of, yes, wow, I know one. I can say this. That one. It always makes me think of uh, Fidelity Fiduciary Bank. See, and I just see that name. From Mary Poppins. Yeah. Well, no, that one's from, uh, wait, yes. But I was thinking supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. But the word, yes, the word, but but the the, the way the music is uh, oh, yes, scored yes, 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 and the, yes, way, yes. the way it's kind of got that dun, 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 dun. It's kind of got uh, that militant march to yeah, it. yeah. It's, it's got that kind of same feel M- musically it has the same feel as fidelity fiduciary bank uh, but the word makes you think of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious yes but it does, does not follow that form musically at all oh go figure you have composers stealing from themselves huh that's right. a new concept <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing with like i wrote down um position and positioning which is later on is also like very it has a very step in time feel to the staging. When did that one happen? That is oh, <laughs> that's towards like more towards the end. We're yes. jumping all over the place, but people are like very confused with what we're talking about now. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It, it's it's this movie is three hours long, and I hate to say it this way, but there's only 14 songs. Like, give give me fucking Lay Miz, where there's a song every other second. There's a new song happening every other minute. Like. There's only 14 songs. They could have cut a lot out of this movie. I'm going to just say that right now. There was a lot of slow moments. Yeah. Slow, it's, silent it's a moments. slower film. Yes. It's definitely a slower film. 
it could have easily been like an hour and a half. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and again, when you like look at it, it's like it's the prince's story. You like Cinderella doesn't come into it until a little bit later, and then she kind of goes away for a while, and you follow the prince some more. Okay, so on my other podcast, which this is not a plug, but it definitely is a plug, we did an episode comparing Ever After to mm-hmm. Jupiter Ascending. Okay, which both are Cinderella tales in and of themselves, but I felt this one was like closer to ever after where they were like taking everything very serious the ending where she is forced to go away yes like that is something that's not part of my disney experience no (laughs) well and even like to to the point of you know spoilers the wedding at the end oh my god the way it happens in ever after and the way it happens in this film are very similar you know what, we're gonna, this is a spoiler episode, like, spoiler podcast, so her showing up in a wedding dress, like, diva. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, I waited three hours for this, thank you. (laughs) And that was all fairy godmother, you know. (laughs) Oh my god, that fairy godmother is... She's so good. She's like, she's cheeky. (laughs) <laughs> so have you actually done a history on Cinderella like the story I haven't I mean I've, I've seen lots of different versions I've done more productions of Into the Woods than I've never played Cinderella but I've done millions of productions of it so like the story is very familiar to me and, you know. well so um I took this again from that episode of Movie Deja Vu plug 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 where it goes back it can be traced back to 7 B.C with mm-hmm. Rhodopis, an Egyptian servant who marries a king. Okay. So See, the furthest back I know is China. Yes, that's Yi Shen, which is similar from what from the Wikipedia page, which hello. I'm a s I'm a gentleman a scholar with that. Um but then you know you've got Chenarentala and then Sandrian, which is Charles Perrault. Perrault. I don't know how to pronounce last names. Perrault. Yes, that one. And he was, that's like the modern version of it. Because then, you know, you've got Ashen Poutal from the Brothers Grimm, which is what everyone knows, but they stole from, (laughs) they they stole from, yes, him, who stole from GM Baracita Basile, who wrote some Cenerentola. I mean, ba- basically every... Everyone stole from everyone. <laughs> everyone has a Cinderella story, whether it's Ashen Poodle or, or Cinderella or, you know, the, the, the fur slippers or the glass slippers. Or the, you know, it's, we've all got some version of it. And, and you know... Stolen look- from here and there. I'm looking at my notes and it's interesting that earlier you mentioned the Sherman brothers were inspired by themselves. I heard mm-hmm. Once Upon a Dream when Cinderella found the slipper in the while she was in the field holding it up. It wasn't it exactly, because obviously that's Sleeping Beauty and Tchaikovsky and all that. But like, I was just like, oh, is, I don't know if that was like, we need fairy tale music or if they were clearly stealing from it. I mean, I don't expect you to have an answer, but do you have an answer? (laughs) I do not. I I think, I think what it kind of comes down to is that whole, like, there's, you have eight notes to work with. And at some point, something you write is going to sound like something else. And something like Once Upon a Dream is very in- ingrained with like the whole fairy tale trope and the whole, like, that's kind of what you think about. Like that 
for for me, if I'm thinking like fairy tale music, I'd be thinking like Once Upon a Dream or Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, which is of course Cinderella. So I, I think those things kind of when you're writing for that style of production, whether it's intentional or not, might kind of sneak in here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's definitely like the romantic dreamy, I found my shoe, so now I'm the queen or whatever, whatever right. she's thinking. I was also doing some background on some people. I usually like to look at the choreographer and the costume designer because they're the ones that, uh, like choreographer, I think is a big role to have, especially in musicals, obviously, because mm-hmm. you have movement. So Mark Burrow was the choreographer. He's an American director and choreographer who choreographed such little films like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The Sound of Music, and then that unknown movie named Mary Poppins. Right, which again brings us back to... The Sherman the, Brothers. The Sherman Brothers and brings us back to, like I said, the um, position and positioning. Choreography-wise, especially, was very much to me felt like step in time up along to the the, the walking along the tightrope rail kind of <laughs> bit and then doing like the high kick. So I was like, oh, that's, that's step in time. <laughs> that song is very interesting because like they give you a history lesson mm-hmm. in a song. But, like, it's also the parallel metaphor, blah, 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 blah. I could I could spout other words to make myself sound smart. But, like, that is a very well-written song. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Sherman Brothers really wrote lyrically well. Yes. Just kind of in general and over the whole scope of their career, whether it was, you know, a storytelling song or, or a nonsense song, you know, along the lines of Supercalifragilistic. It, uh-huh the internal like the rhyme scheme and the and I wish I'd written I, I meant to like write down some of them because some of them like like what and I don't even if I did write them down like it would, it would I, be can't, I, I, I can't I can't oh notes. yeah no you your <laughs> notes are just like scribbles just, at like, this point scribbling things down quickly <laughs> yeah I just wrote down that it was like John talks about the caste system and how it's cock blocking him I'm no poet, but like that's poetry to me right there. <laughs> it was very well done. And then to also have correct, where the king is, is kind of like a buffoon in a way. Mm-hmm. And there are just some rhymes in, in that number, especially that, again, I wish I had like written things down more clearly so I could pull them up. But uh, there's some just some rhyme patterns in there that feel like they're like good to say. You know what I mean? Like, got that kind of mouthfeel to them. And that's like, that's a Sherman Brothers thing. Like, everything that they write, like, it, it feels good to say it. Yeah, and then it ends in a kick line. Who doesn't like that? And it ends in a kick line. <laughs> <laughs> um, all, all these men dressed in, you know, Regency clothing. <laughs> right? Yes. The costuming uh, in this thing? Oh, man. Okay, so back to the costume designer. Her name is Julie Harris. According to her IMDb, she's designed 78 films, most notably The Land Bef- the Land That Time Forgot, Rollerball, A Hard Day's Night, and Swiss Family Robinson, which all happened before this movie. This one was, like, later in her career. So just, like, get me that period piece. <laughs> right after doing a sport movie, futuristic sports movie. Woo! <laughs> and and even though it's not, I mean, it's like most fairy tale films, it doesn't give you a specific time. You kind of feel it in that kind of 
you kind of get French Revolution. Yeah, you kind of have the penier and oh, so fun fact: Did you notice that on the wicked stepmother and sisters, they all had like a mole? The mole, yeah. Historically speaking, during that time period, that would indicate that the lead-based makeup that they would use is was eating their skin. So they would mm-hmm. cut fabric into sometimes into shapes, but like they would cut fabric to cover it up. To cover up the patches, yeah. So I was watching and I was just like, you've got a flesh eating virus. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think they're the only ones who have that. Yes, because they I, would. I think they're the only ones that, that do the patches. They w- I mean, obviously I think it's supposed to like help them look ugly where the it's not it's not supposed to be like the the fashionable reason why people would do this in history, but it's supposed to help them like show their ugly insides on the outside. Right. But like And and do you women, think like that the actress playing the stepmother, like she she took some of that from Eleanor Oddly. Like her phrasing. Eleanor Oddly was the voice actress who was uh the stepmother. Uh, in Disney's Cinderella and yes. Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. And if you like listen to some of her line deliveries, she's got a very similar... I didn't even think of that. But yes. Mm-hmm. She's, yeah, she's got like, a very similar delivery, very similar phrasing. Comparing her to Angelica Houston, I'm just like, oh, that's a hard one. Because, you know, got, mm. you've got the glorious Angelica Houston owning the scenery, that she, <laughs> owning the scenes that yeah. she's in. But then you have this stepmother. Do you know the actress's name off the top of your head? I uh, do not. Margaret Lockwood. Her- oh, yeah, Margaret yeah. Lockwood. This is supposed. This was also her last film that she's ever done. Yeah, it was her last film because she retired afterwards. But she was delivering, man, some like drag queen style acting. Yeah, she's <laughs> like she's she's absolutely beautiful in this role, and and, and that's one of the things about this film is is like the casting is so on like yeah. the, the all the characters and and not to, you know i find a lot of the side characters more interesting than than cinderella and the prince in this oh uh, the dowager even. queen the dowager queen edith evans just like owning everything i'm just like yes that's goals right hashtag goals mm-hmm. you are the you were what i want to grow up to be you know just half awake and asking random questions the the king too, Michael Horton. He was really funny. I had to look him up as I was watching this through the first time um, because the voice was so familiar to me. And he did. This is like going to date me. Um, <laughs> so when I was a child, Nickelodeon had this show called Pinwheel, which was kind of like a variety show of like kids programming. And one of the things that they had was uh, Paddington Bear, and it was kind um... of a stop motion. All the characters around Paddington were like drawn 2D figures, and then Paddington was like actual like 3D stuff there. And he was the narrator of it, so his voice was like very distinctive to me, and like very comforting because I have like this childhood memory. I feel like I remember that he's only credited for eleven episodes of that. Allegedly, I think there only there only were like there weren't very many episodes of that. I don't. It wasn't like a big series. I'm on IMDb right now. There are sixty episodes. So he did a he did a sixth of them, <laughs> and that's and that's probably what Nickelodeon got the 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 rights to was like those six episodes because those are the only ones I remember. He's been in a lot, but like this one, it's just he's just funny and 
that's how I read it to be that that's the point. He says the wrong things and everyone has to correct him around mm-hmm. him about things. Uh, that's what I need in my life. You know, people just be like, you're an idiot. This is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the the Chamberlain who, mm-hmm. who's played by Kenneth Moore, like my God, that those two work very well together. And then Gemma Craven who is the songbird and can I have her in my life? Right. <laughs> and they just like, they found her after auditioning tons and tons of people. There, she was like one of the last people they saw. And I don't know. That, I don't think she really did much beyond that really. And I, I think there was kind of a, an idea that she was going to become some kind of musical theater. Prodigy star. Prodigy or something. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't think she really did it much after that. I mean, I guess it's good in a way that like she did this move and was like, I'm good. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you know, people might compare her to this performance. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, you're just the doe-eyed ingenue, which we all strive to be sometimes. <laughs> I mean, that's the dream at some point in your life. Uh, and, then, and then you age out of that and you're depressed. <laughs> Can I tell you, I also screamed really loud when there was the dancing mice and the dancing frogs yes and i was just like ariana thank you so much yes it was like i, I think i wrote it i wrote in my notes that they, they uh they raided a production of the nutcracker for those mice costumes oh my god <laughs> yes yeah and then they were just like we're gonna make it look like you are to scale unlike cats yeah. did but it, it was interesting that in this movie, they gave you more of a reason why she had to be back at midnight. Yeah. Another one of the interesting things about this is that the, like, the fairy godmother is a more complex character than you're used to seeing. Yes. You know, like you find out that she's like, she's like everybody's fairy godmother and she's being pulled in a million directions. And she's you know, in the middle of writing the stories for Scheherazade. And, you know, she, you see that shot. Uh, on her desk with a little it's a thank you you know Marion and Robin Hood and you know like this was oh, whole thing that whole and cottage she, and, scene was just amazing right? and she gives you that explanation of like I can do whatever for anybody but if I want to do something for myself doesn't work god forbid <laughs> mm-hmm. god forbid I make myself some goddamn tea with my magic exactly <laughs> so I want to talk for a second obviously this is this was a movie first and foremost did you know that there was a stage version? That I did not know. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> what? There's a stage version? Yes. It premiered in 2000 at the Epsom uh, Playhouse by the Epsom Light Opera Company in England. Um, it went on to be performed by British Community Theatres, and then it came to America in 2005 at the Hale Center Theater in Utah. This is all from the Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt. It looked like they kept all the songs. I don't know what they changed or didn't change. Probably things had to be changed. Like, Well, yeah, you'd have to change some of it. You finding that sheet music, however many years ago, could have probably been easier if you're just like, stage version? Stage version? <laughs> stage version there's a stage version see, now now i see now now this is how i am now i have like to track down the script for the stage version you do you i'm gonna keep doing That's this like, podcast yeah. <laughs> like I, I need to know i need to know these things <laughs> i'm happy and a little upset that you picked this because i was just like it's so long you know i watched it in like the afternoon and i not gonna lie i was falling asleep a little bit because it was so 
dry. But when you first watched this, were you a kid or were you like in your teenage years? No, I I must have. I feel I want to say again, we're going to like totally date myself. I want to say we probably rented it from Blockbuster. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it was probably just because you know the cover looked pretty to me, and I was probably under ten. And you watched it once. That's. I, I might have watched it a couple of times because we probably like had it for the weekend or something. But like, um, you, it wasn't like your go-to movie from like ten no. to fifteen or something like that. No, because because I never thought to like look for it because it was never something that like popped up on TV or you oh. know. So it's not something like like I said like that one thing like that that one song like really stuck with me like that one yeah. scene. And then when I was watching it again, you know, for, for reviewing it for this. I started remembering things like I started like picking out things that I kind of forgot. I'm like, okay, no, I remember this. And I actually had a pretty decent memory of it for something that I, I've seen. We're not going to talk about how many years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so many years ago. Oh God. You know, you've got great, you've got some good songs. I think they wanted to turn what a comforting thing to know into a bop, but it, quite wasn't there didn't quite yeah because it was fun and it was again like that kind of sherman brothers humor you know kind of kind of like a dark humor they're they're dancing in in a tomb yes in a crypt in a crypt right by where edward's burial site is going to be right (laughs) like like when, when you come into any story where you're like and by the way, when I was a child, my parents brought me near and was like, look, this is your name. This is where you're going to end up. <laughs> but I also liked the song, The Bride Finding Ball, because mm-hmm. this is like full on Edward's feminism, because he's just like, do the women want to show up to this? Like, mm-hmm. um, it's it's cattle choosing ball, <laughs> he calls it. Well, and, and he kind of, and I mean, he kind of flips the the trope in that you know i'm the one on display instead of like the women being on you know, not not he's because he's not interested like he right. doesn't he doesn't want to do this let me you know he's he's doing this whole kind of they're here to check me out and look over me like a piece of meat yes and it's very interesting because um i don't know where my thought was going i just wanted to say words i guess and gone. <laughs> and gone. <laughs> the relationship that he has with his parents, especially the king, specifically the mm-hmm. king, is very much like old school versus new school in terms mm-hmm. of like thinking. Especially, and you you see that at the end where it's the king of uh, Euphrania and then the visiting king, where they're like kids these days am i right <laughs> this, is, this is how we did it in our day we married the person our parents sold us to and what they're making their own choices now what what is true love what, uh, what does love have to do with marriage love, love has nothing to do with marriage <laughs> the he she danced with me that one they were singing out loud right yeah it's like still an internal but it was I think it was one of the well, they were each alone when they sang it, so there wasn't uh, there wasn't an audience for it. So it was probably more of like an internal monologue. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of musicals recently, so I'll, uh, they're I'm, starting I'm to sure. melt together. Like, which they're, one is it? They're starting to well, melt and, together. And also, like, 
you know, and, and well, and as you were saying too, unlike some of the other things that the Sherman brothers wrote, this doesn't really have anything that stands out. Besides tell, tell them anything, but tell not anything, that I love yeah. them. That one, yeah. that one stands out because it's so against the trope even. Mm-hmm. Like this whole movie is against the trope. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she doesn't like, she doesn't even put up a fight. She's like, this is what I have to do. This is what's best for him. Right. But I, yeah, but I know if, if you don't tell him that I, that I said, I don't love him, he's going to come for me because that's how deep our love is. He has to believe that I lied about I everything. don't love him anymore. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it hurts. It breaks my heart. Like Right. <laughs> right. And she's like, okay, but it, there's this knowledge that she has because she she you know she she literally says there has to be a sacrifice and I am to be the sacrifice. Right. I can't, okay. Full disclosure. I came into this not really liking it, liking mm-hmm. the movie. But now that we're talking about it, I did love this scene because I was just like mm-hmm. my brain exploded everywhere. But I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm turning around. I think I'm liking it now. Mm-hmm. It's still just like an hour too long, but like. <laughs> But, well, and yeah. you know, and the things that the things that you look at that that you expect to happen in a Cinderella story, like the the ball, is not all the eligible women in the kingdom. That's no. usually the, the trope that you hear. The ball is supposed to only be women from neighboring kingdoms who could create an alliance, but but somehow the they don't all, fill up. Well, no, because they because they can't fill out the ball because not everyone. Uh, a couple of them weren't. Uh, there there are sixteen potential princesses total only i think six of them end up right that's be, it. Uh, being interested or being available uh and you know like messengers die when they're off to deliver the 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 invitation i like there are kingdoms that like want not they're, they're like we want to create war we don't want anything to do with this wall i loved that sequence because it was so funny mm-hmm. it was a little over the top for me but the fact that it started with people painting his painting him and he was in a cutout i was just like what is going on (laughs) (laughs) he didn't didn't want to put on the fancy clothes so he stood behind like a cardboard cutout (laughs) but i was just like why are we doing slapstick in the middle of this like what is happening Tonal like the one messenger just gets like shot in the chest with an arrow just like (laughs) i think they throw one of them off the drawbridge you know so they don't yeah so the, i mean the substitutes end up coming because they're like basically what they're saying is it's gonna the ball's gonna like look cheap and empty if we don't invite like the nobility of our kingdom to come in and yes. fill out the fill out the dance cards <laughs> what did you think of the song secret kingdom Meh. right it's kind of like it's i mean it's like the love ballad but it's like I'm going to take you away to seek a kingdom. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like I said, the, the weird thing about this film, again, like being a Sherman Brothers score, and like other than this, like everything they, they write is pretty memorable and pretty, a lot of this score is kind of forgettable. Yes. You know, which, which like I hate to say because I do, like I love the film and, and as a whole piece, it works very well together. But taking the numbers individually, there's only a few that really stand out. And there's only a few that, that you remember. Well, that you, you remember. remember the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> so her entrance into the ball, like the dress was beautiful. Mm-hmm. The wig was gorgeous. I have an issue though. Mm. Clearly it's a wig. Like we well, know yeah. it's a wig. 
We know that other people are wearing wigs because that was also in fashion. But, like, why did it blend perfectly? Like, it would be a hard front. You would be able to... I'm not a wig person by any means, but I'm still just like, why does it look because, like... Because she is Cinderella, and she has to look perfect and angelic, and, and you don't want any of those hard wig lines. <laughs> but that's the whole point of the time period that they're pretending that it is. Yes, but, but before a modern 1970s audience... <laughs> Uh, like the uh, the Chamberlain is the one that is what it's supposed to look like, where yeah. you can see his widow's peak underneath his wig. <laughs> uh, choices were made, and I'm so happy about some of them. I also did like that um, they had different costumes throughout. So sometimes when you see fairy tale movies and shows and things like that. They usually wear the same costume throughout. Like, obviously, Cinderella wore the same costume because she was supposed to be poor. But, like, the king and the prince had different looks. There was a moment that I had to rewind when he threw the shoe out. I was just like, is that him? Or is that so- is that his... his <laughs> they have to go buddy? and reshoot it and call somebody in? Yes. Uh, I got another question for you. Were you getting super gay vibes from the cousin? Yes. I mean, he was kind of, it was kind of play like there was that kind of Jim J. Bullock kind of. I, w- I was just like. Prince, does... Prince Valium in Spaceballs. Um, <laughs> I was like, does this, does this guy want the prince? What was his name? Like Mercutio or something like Mer- that? I, I think it, that was Montague. I, Montague. I just, like, that was like, the other, the weird thing is like, he's like, got this Shakespearean Romeo and Juliet name going. As, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so like at the end when he like fall like love at first sight with the foreign princess, it's kind of but You're you like, also but you also sure? see the fairy godmother had a hand in that. And even the prince's friend John, mm-hmm. who uh, was in love with that Lady Caroline, the, Lady the Caroline. Queen's lady in waiting. I was just like, there's definitely like more than just a bromance between you two. <laughs> I think that also kind of comes down to the, the time period too, though, and that you you did kind of have that male companion that you, you know, that kind of British boarding school kind of. Yeah, we even saw him uh, promote what's his name Wyatt. No. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name, but yeah, like one of the footmen. Yeah, where I was just like, "Oh, look at you! Like breaking all the rules." <laughs> right. I'm going to I'm going to make my own rules. And, and we're, we're going to let everybody else be happy. I can't be happy, but I can make it so that you're happy. It's kind of, you know. You get a promotion. Like, I can't break the rules for me, but I can break the rules for you by, by giving you a knighthood. And now you now have a title. And now you can go court your lady. And uh, we're going to take this footman over here who should never be anything more than a footman. And uh, improve his lot in life, too. Because I can't do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> He's Paralleling the fairy godmother. Ah! But, like, with not magic. With the magic, with no magic. Well, with the magic of the monarchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that needs to be a Sherman Brothers song, "The Magic of the Monarchy." Okay, let's uh, <laughs> summon them. We'll. we'll... Yes. <laughs> I, I have connections to to Richard. Robert sadly has left us. Okay. Okay. <laughs> R- Richard. I don't know s- how good those connections are, but. R- Richard might be able to do it. Um, yes. Um, we can get somebody else. Sondheim is still around. Maybe they can work together. Sherman and Sondheim. Collaborate. Yeah, something can happen. It'll be like West Side Story, but even more depressing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
depressing West Side Story. West Side Story, but depressing. What do you mean, but depressing? More depressing, I said. <laughs> more depressing. More depressing. <laughs> uh, I need to get more depressing. Jesus. Is there anything else? That's a whole other episode. That's a whole other episode with a whole That's other That's a whole other episode. With a, with a whole with a different guest entirely. Um, okay, so let's see. I Oh, so Brian Forbes, Mr. Director Man, who also wrote the screenplay, um, he also directed the movie version of Whistle Down the Wind, which is not a musical. Mm-hmm. But what the musical is based on. Right. And then he did The Stepford Wives, the first one. Well, I mean, that's a, some range there. He's also done more, but these were the ones that I'm just like, people will know these titles. <laughs> right. It was just very fascinating because I was just like, because even with the costume designer, I was just like, this is such a different genre entirely that like, I'm surprised. Well, no, there are cons about it, you know, like the conventions and all that, where I wouldn't be surprised if somebody dressed up as Cinderella in this movie at one of them. And mm-hmm. that like final, not the the dress before the wedding gown. Well, I mean, for a film that's not really that well known at this point, it's got some pretty heavy hitting players as far as like the costume designer and you know uh-huh. the, the script writers and and the actors in it. Yeah, you know, I mean Richard Chamberlain. I mean, what? <laughs> I hated his ponytail because I was like, I know that's a clip on that. Mm-hmm. Like he had his he had his hair, and then they're just his like. Hair clip on and i was just like cut it just fucking cut it i know it won't be period but i don't care i don't want to see a rat tail anymore <laughs> oh see and in that in that wedding get up though he looks like christopher lee as dracula in one of the hammer horror films <laughs> i was like i was like watching him come out of like that white that white powdered wig and i'm like that's like oh. dracula like <laughs> choices <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ariana, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to my closing segments, if you will? <laughs> I think we've very well covered this. We um, very well covered a lot of it. We, we yes. very well well covered all the all the insanity about <laughs> what is the slipper in the rose. <laughs> all right, let's get into sharp and flat, shall we? Okay. Sharp flat. So, in this section, we are going to highlight some moments. Um, if we liked them, they're sharp. And if we didn't like them, they're flat. That's what, adorable. What are, do you have any sharp moments? Like specific moments that you want to? I like the moment in, when you first see Cinderella. And, and this is, this is probably kind of like a combination sharp flat because it changes, her character changes. She, she is one of the first Cinderella's you see who's like really got a backbone in like that first scene when she first comes in from the her father's funeral mm-hmm. and yes. she's talking, you know, her stepmother's like, oh no, you're not going, that's not your room anymore. You're going down to the cellars. You are now, we've fired all the staff and it is now on you to be the staff. And she literally looks at her and says, I hate you. Cinderella says that to the stepmother in case that wasn't clear. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see, so like that's very, like that's very sharp for me because she's got this, backbone and the spine and you see like the spirit that she has and then it turns flat because then she becomes this very passive things happen to her cinderella that you kind of like she starts out like really good like really like 
my father, she says, my father never loved you that, you know, like that whole thing. And, and you're like, yes, go. And then she's like, I'm just going to go down to the cellar and live my life. Oh no. Yeah. It, was, <laughs> so it kind of does that. It was, it was something. Do you have mm-hmm. any other moments that you want to like highlight? Well, Maybe. I mean, obviously like tell him anything is my thing. Oh yeah. So that's like very, very sharp. And just like the fairy godmother overall. Yeah. Like, I love her. I wrote her down. I just said the fairy godmother in general, but specifically when she's in her cottage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that one scene, I was just like, I love everything. Um, yeah. And then, she said, then she's just like, oh, I have to do this. And all right, fine. <laughs> I also love the dog. Um, I'm a sucker for a good Yorkshire Terrier. I liked Edward and his forward thinking. I really loved that moment, like I said, with the men painting Edward's portrait because it was <laughs> just so random, but so funny. Yeah, it's, it's just, okay. Cinderella crashing the political wedding at the end. My God. <laughs> and then, okay, I had a, we didn't talk about this, so I'm going to talk mm. about it now. I really like the transformation and detransformation sequences that they had. Yes. So I had to rewatch the transformation sequence for Cinderella because mm-hmm. I was just like, was that actually a quick change? It's like that's like that misdirection. Right. It's not though. If you pay close attention, you could kind of see a cut there, like when they pull towards when they pull the camera towards the um, the night costume uh, there's like a a weird cut that happens and then this the fairy godmother comes into frame and they go back to cinderella but i was like floored to be totally honest i was just like that's mm-hmm. if this if there wasn't a visible cut it would be fucking amazing because when you see a transformation where like kind of there's like that superimposed yeah, you know like that's... where you, where you, so you know there's like camera tricks involved but the way that's filmed it does give you a sense of like that could have happened in real time. Yes, because we've there there have been so many stage productions of Cinderella where you have the costume like be worn underneath the peasanty costume, mm-hmm. and you have to like take off that top layer and everything. But the detransformation sequence mm-hmm. was very fascinating and, uh, and original, in my opinion. You know, she's running down the stairs and slowly transforms back into Yeah, like her. as you see her come around each corner, she's like a little bit back to her normal self. She goes from Princess Incognita, which best drag name ever. Right. <laughs> to Cinderella. Do you have any flats for this movie? Because mm, I, I think some of the things you were mentioning about like, it, it's long. It could be cut. It doesn't quite need everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I wrote that the length and the slow pace. I also have one very specific moment too that mm. I paid attention to and I was that's where my eye was the whole time, the whole scene. It's when the fairy godmother, I believe, first visits Cinderella or the second time. I don't remember. It's one of one of her visits. I think it's when she has to make the dresses okay yeah, the, so, yeah is that the second one that's the second one so she comes in there's a breeze that happens and the runner folds up on itself right by a candle so 
I'm watching the whole scene just like, don't, don't light. Don't catch on fire. Don't, don't catch, catch on fire. fire. So I know it's not a, it's not necessarily like a flat, like I hated it. It's just like, uh, mm-hmm. come on guys, you couldn't have done a better, a second take right. on it or something. <laughs> right. Because that's where my, I went the whole time. Yeah. And then like the, the other main flat for me would be that Cinderella does start off with this promising character arc and then kind of just passive. falls into the, into, into the passive things happen to her trope rather than taking any kind of active participation in, in what's happening. Okay, okay. Assuming you've seen all these movies mm. out of this Cinderella, uh, Drew Barrymore's Cinderella, or I uh, can't believe I'm going to say this, Mila Kunis and Jupiter Ascending, which Cinderella is your is your favorite out of those three? <laughs> Go. The Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah, and I have not seen Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> and i have to like go see it no you don't no you don't <laughs> oh, okay um, well then i won't <laughs> okay so i i like to ask a lot of my actor the actors that come on this um and it's great that you didn't know that it was a stage version so if you were to be able to like cast yourself in any role any role you could totally do a pants role for you or whatever which character would you like to play the fairy godmother of course you would. Like not even, yeah. Like that's yeah. <laughs> she's more line heavy than song heavy, right? Would you say that? She, yeah, she is. She she sings um suddenly, which is kind of their answer to impossible. <laughs> right. Not as catchy. Uh, yes. And I think that's really all she sings. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, but but she's 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 more comedic based with her dialogue than heavily singing or dancing so i could see that happening i know you've got pipes on you but like i could see you doing that and then but, but i also i also have like a very comedic i think i have a very comedic bent in my performance that's true you i've i've Which i is have like, seen yeah. your winifred sanderson this is kind of how winifred came about yeah <laughs> Uh, would you add any song, any of the songs to your life's playlist? I mean, tell them anything obviously pops up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote that one too. <laughs> uh, I, I've, been singing, I've been singing that in, in uh, cabaret for years. Uh, otherwise, some of the things might pop up on a playlist somewhere on my on my headphones, like the uh, you know, the protocol called that no, one. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> we can't figure out is it just because it's got that kind of fun wordy thing to it. Yes. I like wordy things. That you know, I feel I like you should add pronounce. suddenly it happens to your book if you haven't already. Okay, I have to contact Mr. Levine again. That's fine, <laughs> we'll contact Mr. Levine again. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure that's the only place I could find that. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, like I said, I would I would add the, the tell him anything, but not that I love him because, like, not looking at the scene, the music itself is beautiful, yes. And, you know, it's, there's not a lot of songs like that out there. Mm-mm. Even like pop songs or other musical songs. There's nothing like that that I can think of off the top of my head. No, it, it's pretty unique. It's beautifully depressing. If you will. Yes, beautifully depressing. And on that note, Ariana, we've come to the end. Oh, sadness. I know, I know. Is there anything you want to plug or promote? Um, well, uh, I'd say follow my Instagram, which is Lady Aria, L-A-D-Y-A-R-I-A, with an underscore after it, because some annoying person uh, is holding Lady Aria hostage. 
Um, and I can't use it. And then what about Dead Man's Toe? Dead Man, well, Dead Man's Toe Productions. Uh, so my friends and I created Dead Man's Toe Production over Halloween. Uh, we do various hocus pocus based online things. And we do have one currently in the works uh, that hopefully will be released. Uh, maybe, probably about the time this is released <laughs> sometime in April, okay. I, I yeah. think is where we're, what we're looking at right now. But you can go to our YouTube page, deadmanstoeproductions.com. That's, oh, that's our website. But if you also search Dead Men's Toe Productions on YouTube, you will find our Halloween special and our Christmas special and our random wandering around the city like the Sanderson Skets. sisters. Uh, Skit. Sketches uh, and yeah, stuff, skit. yeah. Um, which are a lot of fun. We had fun doing them and hopefully you will have some fun watching them. I, I, I laughed my ass off at the one where you guys are in Sephora. I'm not going to lie. Oh. <laughs> Sephora. <laughs> We had fun in Sephora. And then if you want to talk to me about the slipper in the rose or whatever, uh, you can email me at buddhasongpod at gmail.com. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buddhasongpod, where things are posted, question mark? I don't know. Maybe. You'll have to find out yourself. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we'll be talking about hairspray. The musical version, not the John Waters one. All right, Ariana, I think we should waltz on out of here. And obviously we're going to have you come back. So get ready for whenever you come back. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. This was fun. All right. Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.